Welcome to our weekly three-minute therapy podcast with me and my co-host. I'm Dr. Michael Edelstein, clinical psychologist, author of Three-Minute Therapy, and I have a online therapy practice. My co-host is Mick Berry, also an REBT expert, and Mick and I wrote a book called um beat stage fright was that the title mick stage fright how to overcome america's number one fear oh, okay very good stage fright how to overcome america's number one fear and uh <laughs> great and um we're practitioners of rebt rational emotive behavior therapy and rational emotive behavior therapy is a type of therapy devised by Albert Ellis in the 1950s. And it says that our emotions don't come from situations, but rather they come from our thinking about situations. And that's a very powerful idea because if you are anxious, depressed, or angry, and you want to get over that, then change your thinking rather than changing the situation. You can change the situation also but if you get over your irrational beliefs, then you have a more powerful way of getting over your emotional problems. And the main irrational beliefs are in the form of demands or musts. I must do well and get approval. You must treat me well, and my life must go well. So on our podcasts, and I think we've had over 200 podcasts, we teach you how to identify your irrational beliefs and how to overcome them in a variety of situations and with a variety of problems. Today, we're going to discuss overcoming procrastination. And there are two types of procrastination. There's reasonable procrastination because procrastination just means to delay something. So sometimes it makes sense to delay something. If you have competing activities at a particular time, it's necessary to delay one or the other. You're not going to do both at the same time normally. And uh, But we're going to be talking about unreasonable procrastination when you put off a more important goal in order to do a less important goal. Um. So, Mick, did you want to say anything else in introduction about procrastination? Uh, well, I just looked up the definition, and you are indeed correct. It means uh, delaying or postponing something. And yeah. sometimes, it's a good distinction. Sometimes it's good to postpone things. Yeah, exactly. And uh, when people delay things unreasonably, often it comes from one of those musts or demands that I mentioned earlier, or a derivative of those. For example, let's suppose you have a task to do, say some kind of project, and uh, you might tell yourself, I must get it all done at once. And since I can't get it all done at once, I'll do it tomorrow when I'll magically be able to do it all at once. Or before I start, I absolutely must have a complete game plan 
for getting everything done. So if you wait till you have a vision of how everything is going to work out before you get started, then that also is a recipe for procrastination because often you won't. Often after you do the first, second, or third step, then it becomes clearer what the fourth, fifth, and sixth step is. Another demand is I must get it all done perfectly. Perfectionism. And since you're an imperfect human who acts imperfectly, obviously demanding uh, perfection in getting things done is a recipe for procrastination. Mick? Well, I'm reminded of something you once told me, and you said Oscar Wilde said anything worth doing is worth doing badly, because you were telling me that often people think they have to do something perfectly or even really well to get started. I just looked it up. It's a, actually attributed to G.K. Chesterton, Chesterton, uh-huh. who George uh-huh. George Bernard Shaw said was a quote a colossal a man of colossal genius who wrote eighty books, two hundred short stories, and four thousand essays in his lifetime. So uh-huh. anyway, if it is attributed to G.K. Chesterton, uh, it's useful, and I find as a musician. To not expect myself to do something well, like if I'm learning a new piece, uh, to just get going and uh, I'm not doing it well, but I'm getting going on and it'll come together and just consistency and continual evaluation of it, being able to live with the frustration of this isn't good yet, but then I end up creating something quite good. And I heard another quote from somebody, do you want to go on or shall I mention this other thing? Oh, I just want to mention something about Uh, What you said, I said about um, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly, uh, attributing it to Oscar Wilde. And you said you got that from me. Well, I got that from Albert Ellis. Oh, well. Yes. So so, uh, we hand it down. And I'm sure you'll be telling people about this. And they'll say, I got it from Mick Berry. (laughs) It it, it looks like it's G.K. Chesterton. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, And so... Somebody told me this morning he was a basketball coach and he once got to work with Dean Smith, who was the coach at University of North Carolina when Michael Jordan was there and at one point had more college wins than any other coach. And he told him, you got to understand there are very few geniuses in any field. The rest of us are just copycats. And uh, what that tells me is most of us have to put in the time. Some people pick up stuff like that but it's very few people and the good news is that if you put in the time and you're smart you can end up producing results that rival what geniuses produce if you're smart about it yeah and if you build on what geniuses have come up with in the past so uh it's easy to think of albert ellis as the innovator in the field of therapy but he built his ideas on people that came before him, like Epictetus and the Buddhists and um, Alfred Adler and Karen Horney. Mick? Yeah, and I was going to say, geez, did I forget what I was going to say? Um, he built well, on other, pe- uh, other people. Oh, I've heard, I'm not a physicist, but I've heard that the average college physics major freshman 
understands Einstein's theory of relativity better than Einstein understood it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, and it, it, what made him a genius is he discovered it and, and uh, brought it to light. But they're understanding it now more, which makes sense because it was brand new and he was the one person on planet Earth when he wrote it up who understood it. And by many people understanding something, they can explain it to each other. So it makes sense that the average 18-year-old college freshman physicist understands Einstein's theories better than he did. Yeah, and it also explains why overall, in general, uh, the human race continues to make more progress and life tends to become better in many, many ways. Uh, as time goes on and people build on the um, foundations of those that came before them. So what do you do once you discover some of these musts? I must get it all done at once or I must do it perfectly, etc. What you do is what Mick and I and others have discussed in previous podcasts, question, challenge, and contradict those musts. Show yourself that the musts are manufactured in your head there are no psychopathological musts, just strong preferences. So work toward preferences and uh, work toward doing better and avoiding procrastination, but don't demand that you never procrastinate. Mick? I'm just looking here. There's an article in the Psychology Today verifying that it was indeed G.K. Chesterton which yeah. is interesting because Albert Ellis misquoted it, and he was, of course, a psychologist. This is Cami Ostman, MS, says it was G.K. Chesterton. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, whoever originally said it, it's good to keep in mind, and it's a good way to get started. If you have a project, start by allowing yourself to do it poor, doing it poorly at first, and uh, and then you could revise it and revise it again and revise it again and continue to make it better. Yeah, Mick? Yeah, and I was just going to say that it is important if we are saying anything worth doing is worth doing badly. That's to start and to work on it, but still to have high standards and try to have it continue to be better and better. And I've found for myself, I think this is most people, being able to deal with the frustration, I want something here, it isn't happening yet, well, I can work towards it and being able to live with the frustration saying, I can stand this. It, I want something. I'm not getting it yet, but I can stand it and to continue to want it and deal with the roadblocks that happen, but continue to have your goal in mind at, rather than telling ourselves, I can't stand something. I have to have it right now, or even I have to get to where this succeeds. I have to become a great piano player i don't have to but i want to it becomes more joyful it becomes easier to do something yeah yeah and i find that very thing mick uh in being an rationally motive behavior therapist as i practice uh, over the years i get better and better at it i learn from my clients also and i incorporate those things that i learn and in being uh exposed to more people uh, in my practice, more clients, I see more and more and more deeply how people disturb themselves and how they can get over it. Mick, do you want to have a last word? Uh, no, I'm cool. Okay. 
and I'm cool. So uh, I, <laughs> I want to uh, thank you, Mick, for being a great co-host as usual. I'm Dr. Michael Edelstein, author of Three Minute Therapy. We're here with our tech engineer, Chris Rossini. Thanks, Chris, for making this happen. And uh, if you have any thoughts, additional thoughts, comments, put it in uh, below. If you'd like to be a guest on our show, from time to time we have a guest and we have a guest coming up in a few weeks, uh, let us know um, and subscribe to the Three Minute Therapy podcast to stay on the rational side of life.